Well, good morning. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters. It, I'm delighted to be with you today. Bow with me for a word of prayer as we go to the Lord. Lord, use me for your glory. Hide me, Lord. Use my mouth to give your name honor and glory. And Lord, would you transform our hearts today? Would you transform our minds? Would your Holy Spirit come and lead us and guide us that we might become more like Jesus? And Lord, we give you the honor and the glory, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. I am delighted to be with you today. I'm particularly delighted to be here on a Friday with so many of our hybrid students visiting Wilmore, Kentucky. I want you to know how thankful and grateful we are that you're here. Our theme this year um, at the seminary is the life of discipleship. Uh, every year we take a journey to become more like Jesus, a formational journey across all our sites and systems. And this year I'm really excited that we're going to be talking about discipleship. It's a call, it's an invitation from Jesus himself that says, come and follow me. It's a call of submission. It's a call for a life that's being transformed. It's a call to change our, our lives from the inside out. And it's a life to journey with others in community. And this month, I, I realize it's October 2nd, but we're going to pretend like that's not true because I want to share today about community and God's vision for community. No one takes this journey by themselves. Discipleship is best when it's done in community. And our communities have been disrupted this year like never before. Not only has COVID-19 disrupted our communities in so many ways, but if we're really honest with ourselves, the racial tension the political climax has really walked us into a place and brought us into unprecedented disruption. Some of us have been around a while to see a few things and never in my wildest imagination would I imagine the environment that we're living in today. We have watched with horror as our leaders have worked to divide the people of our country and therefore our community. We've watched the destruction, the physical destruction and the human destruction of hurricanes and, and fires, and it's all taken a toll on us individually and it's taken a toll on our communities. It's affected our minds, it's affected our bodies, it's affected our emotions and our, our spirits in ways I wonder if we really, really know how we've been affected by all of this. I wonder if the aim of all of this at harming how we live together in community is purposeful and that it's planned. Things that I used to do, things that you used to do and not think twice about, we do with much more caution. 
We don't, I'm a hugger. It has just been horrible for me not to run up and hug people I haven't seen for months. There's a feeling of uncertainty. There's a loss of personal security, and it affects us in ways I'm not sure we fully understand. So what does this disruption mean to the body of Christ and to the way that we live in community? What's the role of community in the scripture? How has God designed community for his people? What was his vision? What was he thinking about? The place where we live in unity and flourish and grow together. Is that possible in the new norm? How might we, as the community called, give faithful witness to God's design and what he declares in the scripture and how we might live together as the body of Christ? How do we gather together as a faith community seeking to hear and discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I would submit to you today that the scriptures are full of examples and models of community throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. But I love finding this little text today. Here we see people living in community. We see the nation of Israel preparing to cross the Jordan. And we often talk about Joshua, and we often talk about crossing the Jordan and the walls of Jericho coming down. But nestled in between this is this little story that I love so much. It's a great story of community. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have been given land east of the Jordan. They were at the place where life was good for them. They had everything they needed or wanted or imagined. The kings had been defeated. They had land. They had livestock. Their family was there. And more importantly, God had given them rest. I don't have time to play around with this concept of rest, but it's a place of peace, well-being, free from external threats and oppression. That's a place that many long for. Things were really good for them. They were enjoying their advantage over their brothers and their sisters. The advantage because they had yet to receive their land and their security and their protection. And that brings us to a question that we can ask today. Should we rest as a body, as a part of the body of Christ? if the entire body is not at rest. Perhaps these tribes face the same temptation we face today. Should they act as God's word directs for the good of all, to love our neighbors as ourselves, or will they look inward? Will they only look out for what's good for them? Will they honor their promise, their vow, or would they choose comfort over their commitment to God? I believe God's dealing with the entire body of Christ today in our nation. We know that God's grace will prevail over human sin and temptation, but what, may we be found faithful as a community called and built 
and designed by God. I wish I could get an amen in the house today. May we be found faithful as a community built and designed by God and that we're obedient to follow his will and his way. Well, what was God's vision for this community? And therefore, what's God's vision for our community? This new creation that's centered in and on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, uh, a community of renewed people, a communal body in Jesus Christ. What did God have in mind? Notice in the text that those who have much were still required to help those that weren't at rest. Although these two and a half tribes are good, they're still required to look out for the rest of the community. You know, a community designed and built by God requires unity. And we're living in a day today where it's so easy to bring disunity into the body of Christ. It takes no effort. But God is calling us to this place of community that he's designed. We see it in John 17, the night before Jesus is going to the cross. Of all the things he could have prayed for, he's praying that we might be one as he is one, that we might be brought into, into complete unity. Why? So that the world would know the Father had sent him and that he loved us as he had loved him. A sign to a dark world. Only God would come up with that. That unity would be the sign to a dark world. Well, I love this story when you look in, um, I think it's Numbers chapter 32. These tribes that had received this land east of the Jordan were rebuked when they first asked for this land. We learn from Numbers 32, uh, Moses, when they asked Moses from the land, he says to them, do you intend to stay here comfortably while your brothers, implied sisters, go across and do all the fighting? Why do you discourage the Israelites from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Do you hear the implication that when we are comfortable in community, we are discouraging those who are not there yet? Can you hear the implication? Moses is reminding them that this place of unity and community, that everyone is to participate in the work. Not just those who are wrestling against oppression, but all of those. So why did Moses rebuke them about this wonderful land? Because their forefathers had given a bad report about the land that God had already promised to them. He had already prepared for them. They had discouraged the community from moving forward. And God was angry with their disobedience. And they continued to wander until they had all died off. That generation couldn't enter the promised land. They couldn't see what God saw. They could only see through their human eyes. 
They saw giants, and they were fearful. I wonder sometimes if our fear keeps us from speaking. I wonder if our fear keeps us from speaking out and moving forward in a community designed by God. Now Moses declares to these tribes, their ancestors, if you take the land east of the Jordan and don't participate in helping the rest of the community cross the Jordan, you will be responsible for destroying an entire nation. What a strong rebuke. You will be responsible for destroying an entire nation? Moses, why are you rebuking them so strongly to their request just for some land? Because God is expecting the entire community to be obedient. He's expecting us to encourage one another. We're not arguing. We're not separating. We're coming together as one in the body of Christ, standing on the word of God, regardless of our posture or our position. We're encouraging each other to stay faithful in turbulent times because God does indeed have a plan. He has a vision. He has a purpose. And he's called us into that place in the body of Christ. And if I could madly rebuke us today, I want you to hear me on this. Just because your father and mother did it, or your grandfather or your grandmother did it, doesn't mean it's okay for you. God is calling us back to this place that he envisioned, that he designed. Our community's not shaped by the world's standard. It's not shaped by politicians or the world's understanding even of community. It's shaped by the understanding of the personhood of Jesus Christ and our understanding of how he desires for us to live because our aim, our goal is to please him. The text is encouraging us to stay within the blueprint of what God's designed for his church. The tribes in our text had a choice. They could come up with new stuff. They could make up new rules. They could make up new standards. They didn't have to keep their vow, their promise, their covenant that they had made. What choice would they make? When we're tempted with privilege and comfort, what choice will we make? The nation of Israel had been called to be a holy nation. We see that in Exodus 19.6. They had been called to be a community that represented God. They had been called to be a covenant community in a dark world. Doesn't that sound very familiar to us? We have the same call in the New Testament. We're chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into the marvelous light. 
We gather together when we sing, how great is our God, that every praise is to our God. And when we're silent on issues that break the heart of God, we're not living up to our call to be the best that Jesus died for. It did cost him. When we ignore the marginalized, when we look away from the widower, we take no notice of the hungry or the homeless. We're not living up to this place of God, a community that he's built for unity in the body of Christ. Well, let me run on. We see this community as a place of provision. As Joshua reminds them of the promise they made, he says, you're to send all your fighting men fully armed to cross over ahead of your brothers. Joshua says, you are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he's done for you. Perhaps we're not, and we are not, taking up arms, but we know that we don't fight as the world does. But in prayer, in intercession, we pull down strongholds. We come together as the community of God to pray and fast and intercede and lead change in the world. We don't accept the standards of the world. Our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. We are called to be that same covenant community representing God in a dark world. Help your brothers. Help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he's done for you. Don't you love how God just weaves these little things in? I don't know how many times I've read Joshua. Dr. Siemens, I've never seen that. Help each other. Certainly, the Holy Spirit speaks to us individually. But it's in community where we bring our individual understandings of what the Holy Spirit is saying, that we hear what the Lord is speaking in community. These tribes are reminded by Joshua, until everyone has rest, no one has rest. I love this picture of community. We live in a world, as we know, that's very self-focused. And particularly in the United States, we're very individual, individually focused. And, uh, you know, if I'm good, then the community should be good. Everybody should be good. Um, and that's just not true. I mean, I, might, I imagine some of these tribes were saying, why do we have to cross the Jordan River? Our, our inheritance is here. Why would we be compelled to help the others? because provision requires the participation of everyone. It requires for us, when we're in a life of discipleship, to be all in. We have to be all in on good days. We have to be all in when we don't feel like it. It requires us to follow the banner and standard of the scripture and what God has designed. We see this expressed by Jesus throughout the New Testament. A new commandment that I give to you, love one another as I've loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. We hear it again when Jesus replies to the Pharisees' question on the greatest commandment. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your mind and soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We see this design in the New Testament next too. How might it look for us today if we had all things in common, that everyone has what they need? And what I really love in verse 16 of this text is the people reply to Joshua, the type, the foreshadow, we will, we will fully obey. And you know the rest of the story. They did in fact cross over and they fought with the community until they had their rest. And it was then that they went back to the east side of the Jordan. They recognized that in community, everyone was an image bearer. They recognized that if they made a choice that was different, they would have divided that nation. And God was going to hold them accountable for that. So Joshua's charge to them was to remain in community. I love the language of family in this text. Brothers, and it's implied sisters, help your brothers. See, it's one thing to be my friend, but it's something else to be my brother or my sister. Jesus asked that question, didn't he? Who is my brother? Who is my sister? He who does the will of God, that's my brother, and that's my sister. I wonder if unity is a divine gift from God to our community. That he's given us a gift, and Reverend Sims, all we have to do is receive it and be obedient to it and walk into it. I wonder if that's God's best for us. A place of unity, a place of provision, a place of protection. And he promises never to leave. Doesn't he promise Joshua? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I've commanded you when you go to this flooded Jordan, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we hear that same promise today in the New Testament. The community is a place of protection because Jesus is present with us. So, let me bring this to a close. The purpose of the Holy Spirit speaking to us in community is primarily centered around showing the world something it doesn't know anything about. This community is a new creation, a new regenerated people gathered together, centered on the Word of God, because the Bible is a communal book. It points us to God's communal design. The Bible is a book full of amazing stories as how we live together. It's the source of the design of our Christian community. God is always the foundation. Jesus is always the center. And the Holy Spirit is always our divine guide. 
Here's the importance of these times. We model for future generations. We show them by our behavior how to live in Christian community. We show them what the past looks like, and we show them the anticipation of what the future brings. We become the embodiment of Jesus' story and his narrative as the body of Christ. He is the source of our living together. He is that divine design for community. We model for the world, not the other way around. We embody the biblical narrative, and we carry it out. We don't just preach about it. We embody it in the very way we live together. We embody it in the very way we speak to each other. We embody it in our words. We embody it in how we treat one another. That's what John saw. That's what John saw. He saw something new, a new heaven and a new earth. He saw the community. And even now, I believe in these times, the Holy Spirit is shaping and molding what we'll do with these critical times, these turbulent times. How will we live? What will we say? Is God raising up a new generation of young people inspired by faith? Those who believe that every human is an image bearer? Will the Lord do amazing things among us when we consecrate ourselves in prayer and fasting? Is he still rolling up Jordan rivers? I believe the answer to that is yes. He's still taking millions of people to a land that's promised with milk and honey. We know that's true as it points to the New Testament. So the world may not understand the design. I don't expect them to. But I do expect the people of God to live into community. What's the Spirit saying to us today? This question demands an answer from the people of God. We are not without words. We are not without answers because we have a divine guider, one who's been sent to lead us and guide us into all truth and understanding. May all that's happening around us wake us up, give us a new normal. I like this new normal. I'm looking for a new normal that looks like a community that God envisioned and he designed and he architected for the people of God. Union, unity, provision, and protection. The Lord desires for us to come as participants in a visible fellowship of disciples in covenant with each other question I want to leave with all of us today is will we say yes? Will we follow him with boldness and courage in this community at Asbury Theological Seminary? I don't know about you, but I want to say yes to a community 
that's designed and built by God. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you have given us the embodiment of revelation. People from every tribe and every nation and every tongue coming as you have a new earth and a new heaven. Teach us, O Lord, to be obedient, to be faithful. May we encourage one another and stir each other up to do the things that are pleasing in your sight. And God, as we take this journey of discipleship this year, the invitation to follow Jesus, help us, Lord, to say yes to your will and to your way. For it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that I pray and ask. Amen.